Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 110 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. Just search OneOuter Podcast. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then the best way is to email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, you are coming through loud and clear now. Thursday evening, uh, the clocks went back in Scotland and stuff, so that caused a little bit of confusion between two apparently so-called sharp guys. Uh, We struggled to arrange arrange the proper time uh, to meet up. So we're here now, we're recording, I believe, the Cubs, you were following the even though i don't know anything yeah, about baseball yeah. i've seen all that on twitter and stuff so how have you been i've been good man and yeah the cubs won last night so that was uh be gentle with me i was up pretty late so yeah. It, yeah that was that was crazy i mean i wrote about that on facebook but yeah this this year's been like one of the worst years of my life and one of the weir- weirdest things was when it was like really bad like my thoughts were so you know, when you're depressed, it's just like it's just like a cold. But part of the symptoms are you just have these thoughts that are like really disturbing or at minimal dispiriting. And I like I couldn't read a book because I could hear myself thinking a lot of the time, and it was just really hard to focus. And yeah, I don't know what it was on like an ESPN affiliate here or something. Like at the beginning of the baseball season, they had the Mariners on. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to put on the Mariners. Mariners are the Seattle team, right? And I grew up, like, uh, I grew up going to the kingdom. The the Mariners were, like, the worst team in baseball uh, growing up. And, like, we almost lost the team. My dad would take me to the kingdom. It was this real piece of crap uh, stadium. Like, literally, like, Barry, like, the ceiling was falling on the players. Like, uh, I mean, it didn't hit any of the players, but they'd have to run on the field because the place was so god-awful. And, uh, in, yeah, in, uh, you know, you would be in the bleachers and like my dad and I would be in the bleachers and like, they'd be $5 tickets, like pretty much just begging people to come. And like, you wouldn't see anybody in your section, right? Like, like two sections away. So I was kind of like, I was into the Mariners, like growing up and then, uh, they were just on ESPN. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, like for old time's sake, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this game, right? And I haven't watched baseball in like 10 years. And then I realized like halfway through it, I was like thumbing through a book and I was reading and I was like, oh my God, I can read again. And like, if any, anybody knows me, like reading is pretty much what I do. Like I, I, uh, I, I read several hours every day. It's like, it, it's my great love in life. I, I really tell everybody, every time people tell me like, you want to be, 
I want to be successful. I always go read, educate yourself. Don't let anybody lead you. You know what I mean? Read the book, read the refutation of that book, read the refutation of that refutation. Just keep going. You know what I mean? Take your own notes, take it seriously, highlight passages. You'll get there in life. You know what I mean? And then, so when I couldn't read, I, I don't know. It's like an Italian not being able to have sex. I don't, I don't know what the, <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> that's what my Italian friends, they always like, uh, they always equate like losing, like if they lose their sex, lose your soul, like, your yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They like, they equate it with dying. Right. So like, but with the baseball game on, I could read and I was like, so the first thing I did that day is I went and bought the MLB package, which is like a hundred bucks for like, I don't know, man, it's like 160 games times every team. So like, I mean, the base. <laughs> If baseball is American because if you're not doing something else while it's on, it is the most boring sport known to man, right? It is like, it, but it's made for people who are like working at like an auto body shop and they're kind of like, it's really easy. Like when the noise starts, you know, to look, you know yeah. what I mean? And then it's like, it's really nice that way. Whereas like with a soccer match, you kind of have to really pay attention. And since we all got ADD in the States, we're, we're not too particular on that, right? But yeah, for some reason, my mom's always been a Cubs fan, and my mom always came down here. She was trying to, you know, when things were kind of going haywire, she was kind of taking care of the house, because uh, that's, that's just kind of the woman she is. She's a great woman, right? She was like, my son's not doing well right now. I'm coming down there. I'm going to start cooking and cleaning, and he can focus on his work, and uh, you know what I mean? And uh, she was a big Cubs fan, so from the beginning of the season I was watching the Cubs. I don't know what it, I don't know how to like explain to Europeans how crazy it is the Cubs winning. That would be like uh, I, I don't know. That would be like it, does Scotland play for the World Cup or is it all the United Kingdom or is it England, no, Scotland, Wales? Scotland do, but we've not qualified in eighteen years for any major. Yeah, championship. yeah, yeah. But it's <laughs> kind of like last year Leicester won the Premier League in England. It's kind of like that from what I've yeah, read. Yeah, it's, exactly, it's exactly. There you, you know, perfect, yeah. perfect. Thing. I, I know, okay, I, I only know who that team is from living in Malta because they're all huge and all that. And, like, yeah, the joke was always on you if you were a fan of them. And the joke's always been on my mom because she's been a Cubs fan for years. Washington State in the United States, like uh, where I'm from, for some reason, if you were in eastern Washington when I was growing up, they didn't have Mariners games, but they had Chicago Cubs games. So a lot of people I grew up with, uh, we're really into the Cubs. And it was always a joke, right? Like, they literally had not won the championship in a century, right? Mm. And, like, you think about that. Like, Thomas Edison was still alive the last time the Cubs won the championship, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, to see them win was, like, the craziest well, thing Well, ever. actually, to, to tie it in with uh, our usual chat, like, about movies and stuff at the start. Oh, Back I got a movie future, review for you. Called it. Yeah. Back to the Future 2 called this. They were only a year out. Really? Uh, in ba well, in Back to the Future too, Marty goes forward to like 2015. Yeah, I remember, and, I remember it, yeah. And it says on the big sports screen at the back, it's got Go Cubbies. They won the World Series, and you see him shaking his head in disbelief. Really? And, like, they, they put that in as a joke because they hadn't won it since like 1908 or whatever. Yeah. So they were literally a year out, yeah. Well, uh, my favorite part of that book is he's he's uh, he's using a sports on. I mean, the, my favorite part of that movie is he's using a sports almanac to be like yeah. the greatest sports better of all time. And that sports almanac is like a fifty-three page pamphlet. And if like you grew up being a 
uh, a sports fan and you had an almanac, that thing was like a door jam if you wanted it to be. It was like 500 pages, right? So every authentic sports fan watching that movie was like, what the hell? Like, why, you know, why, why does he have like the brochure for like, you know, Planned Parenthood in his hand? You know what I mean? Like what? In, I, I, it was so weird to me, like in a multi-million dollar movie, like not one guy went, uh, you know, hey, Steven, you know, what the hell is this? This isn't an almanac. Where'd you get this printed at, Kinko's? Like, you know, it just, it was so, that always took me out of it watching that movie. Oh, but yeah, I got a, I got a movie review and how it okay. relates to the apocalypse. Uh, but I saw the movie The Accountant. Have you have you seen this flick? No, not yet. But I want to see it. Not yet. So no okay. spoilers. Okay, there's it. no spoilers. I'm gonna tell you if you go into this movie expecting like a little thriller action movie, you will have the time of your life. It's very kind. It's kind of cheesy. It's kind of like superhero-ish. Uh, it, but it has, you know, Ben Affleck is obviously Ben Affleck. He's not, you know, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis by any means. And, but it's like, it's a fun little thriller and there's lots of like pieces that come together at the last moment and Uh it's cheesy, but like the whole time I was seeing that movie, I did not want to see that movie. My mom wanted to see that movie. Uh, Uh I was like, all right, I'll take you to it. Right. It got such bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, I don't want to see this movie. I've seen so many crappy action movies in my life. And it's not just the two hours going at the movie theater. It's, you know, you got to get in the Uber and you got to get there for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? And then you got to go back. 30, you know, it ends up taking like three and a half hours out of my day. And I'm like, I'm busier than I've ever been in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get my life back together. And I went in, I like, I couldn't, you know, I, I remember thinking when I went in, I was like, I, I feel like I need to urinate, but I, I don't feel like this is the kind of movie I'm going to hate missing anything, right? And I was just glued to the screen the entire time. And it had its stupid parts. It's not like a great movie by any means, but it was like a good time. And I was walking out of the movie and I was like, this is why Trump's possibly could win the presidency. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because like middle America... They want to go to the movies. They want to be entertained. They kind of want like a fun, you know, like a fun little thriller pieces coming together at random times. And yeah, it's forced. And yeah, there's bad parts. And yeah, there's parts that make no damn sense if you think about it. But it's a good ride, right? And it was fun. And I was like, but, you know, if you open up a newspaper anywhere in America, it used to be middle America read newspapers all the time. Now they can't give newspapers away because nobody wants to read them. And I was thinking this is why, because these snobs with their liberal arts degrees, you know, they go and they tell you, you know, like, oh, you walked into a McDonald's and you enjoyed McDonald's. How low of you. You're so weak. You know what I mean? You should be watching you know, some movie about slavery that's three and a half hours long that has 12 lines of dialogue in the entire movie. If you don't enjoy what I enjoy, you're stupid, right? And there's there's this big cultural divide in America. There's this huge divide between rich and poor. It was never so present to me than when I was working at an Arby's. Like, I was working at a fast food restaurant, and all these kids were like... I was working at a fast food restaurant because I was dating a girl who... I was dating an Islamic girl, and they're really big into, like, study and work, right? They were uh, they were really into, you know, like, you need to get an education. You need to learn how to work. And they were like, you know, they were like, honestly, I'd feel better about you dating my daughter if you had a job. So I went and got a job. Uh, I was starting to do okay at poker right then, like, not that well, though. 
so like the money was nice and it kind of helped me support my family. But like in my, like all my coworkers were just kids who were poor, who were working like 40 hours a week in addition to high school, which is, you know, like a full-time job as well in the States to graduate uh, just so they could afford like a beater car so they could be like the other kids. Right. And meanwhile, I would go to school and my kids would drive in with their Beamers and, you know, <laughs> their parents would give them, you know, here's 120 bucks spending money, kids, you know, go buy yourself something at the mall and da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, those kids go on to college. It's much more likely, you know, the wealthy go on to higher education in the United States just due to the outstanding costs. And uh, the, the, kid, the poor kids that do try to uh, the poor kids who do try to go to college end up usually taking out loans they can't afford, which makes them poor out of college. And then, but you know, the rich kids, they go on to write for newspapers because they, you know, they don't really, I don't think they make a whole lot of money at it, but you know, mommy and daddy pay for them for everything. And, uh, they write these reviews about how, if you like something that middle America likes, you're an idiot. Right. And I think, Donald Trump's like channeling into that that class divide right now. And it's like, I don't want to be made to feel stupid because I enjoyed kind of a silly movie. Like when you turn on an action movie on TNT, you're not expecting war and peace. You know what yeah. I mean? You're expecting a, a damn. And, and like The Accountant is a kind of stupid movie, right? But like, it, it's weird. Like with Fast and Furious, it's okay for it to be silly. But if you enjoy something with Ben Affleck, who is not exactly part of the cool group sometimes because he's taken some risks in his career. Maybe he shouldn't have. You're an idiot. Right. And I, I just like, I, I got out of that movie and I was like really pissed off. I was like, who would not have enjoyed that movie who went in expecting an action movie? Right. Like, yeah, there's parts that, that by the way, there is way bigger plot gaps in breaking bad than there were in this movie. Right. But it's okay to like Breaking Bad because, you know, Brian Cranston's on the good side. You know what I mean? He's never said any, he's never said anything that we don't like. You know what I mean? Ben Affleck said some things that weren't exactly kosher with our little group. So we're going to poo poo on his action movie return. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, all right. You know, like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't care. There's not enough minority characters in the movie. And it's like, I, I, I agree. Maybe there should be a few more. I don't see how that makes it a bad movie. You know, you, you're, you're the same dumbasses that are watching Friends reruns every time I go over to your houses that your parents bought for you. So, you know, and I, I don't know. I just they, I was really pissed because, like, I was looking at my mother and my mother, you know, she's humble, uh, you know, very humble family. And you know what I mean? I was like, why should my mother be made to feel like she shouldn't go to see this movie? You know what I mean? And I was like, this, this gave her a really good time. This is a really good... And I, I was saying, I was like, these people are the reason Trump's going to get voted in. You know, they just see their interests constantly like... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope... I don't know if this makes sense to anyone who's not American or even if it makes sense to you if it is American. But like, well, yeah, anyway... It's not just an American thing. It's this sort of mm-hmm. pseudo-intellectual... Yeah, exactly. Uh, everyone want, everyone's a blogger with an opinion on... And it's... Right. Everyone right. does want to be, this race to be offended. So everybody's looking to say stuff that's like neutral ground of like no real, you right, know... Right. It's just horrible, like, political correctness machine, in my opinion. You know, it just forces these people to say, you can't say that, you can't say this. Like, well, why should I only, why should you only be the one offended with that? And, every, and it's just, oh, life's too short, it really is. 
No, it really is. Life is too yeah, short exactly. for all that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Adam Kroll has this new thing. Instead of Nicorette, you're going to get douche at. Like, if you feel like yeah. being a douchebag and telling people how to live their life, you've got to chew on this. You know, so it's like, here, get, take your douchette. You know what I mean? Just shut up and don't, and don't say anything. I don't know, man. I, got, I, I don't know why that got me so heated. And I, I was, man, I, I've been wanting to say this on this show, but I, I was just, yeah, it's this pseudo intellectual, like, like, let me control the conversation. Let me tell you what you can and can't like. And every time I say something that's like kind of out, like, there's something, I saw a movie that was just god-awful, right? And I loved it. And it was called Knock Knock. Have you heard of this movie? It's with, yeah. It, it's with Keanu, yeah, it's with Keanu Reeves, and it's just a dumb movie. And mm. it's, it's so funny because I think the guy's making fun of, like, the fake outrage. Because, essentially, I, I hope I'm not giving away any spoilers, but, like, it's not that good of a movie. But, like, essentially, this guy, to give you an idea of what, kind of movies this guy makes this guy's just my hero like he made one uh movie about a bunch of guys that sit, all these kids that sit on their computers and write facebook posts and think that makes them an activist you know like i'm very offended by this right they finally get the opportunity to go to the amazon and to try to save a tribe there you know and bring them into the modern world and they go there and they all systematically get killed off right because the tribe doesn't care about these slacktivists right and I just love this guy's movies because he makes fun of, you know what I mean? He makes fun of all these losers, right? And it, it's like there's so much in the movie Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves. Like Keanu Reeves, like they play on how bad of an actor he is. He has some of the dumbest speeches you've ever heard in your life. I was dying laughing in the theater and I was the only guy laughing. And like the the girls in that movie who I'm not going to say what happens, because, but like, they they have such phony outrage and it justifies their god awful behavior in that movie, right? And it's just such simple things, right? Like and they're in I you know, and if I tell people like I enjoyed that movie greatly, like you will hear like a cacophony of like, you must be the dumbest human being that ever I'm like, look, dude, if you like like a really artsy movie that I don't particularly enjoy, I don't say you're close to Hitler. Like I, I it's really weird how you guys tell me to like pipe down. You know what I mean? Like, that, it's really, especially like, I got really into the art community here in San Jose, and that was, they, they just have this certain thing. Like, if you go to this movie that's about Native Americans that's two hours and 45 minutes long and has no dialogue and has no plot and has no development or anything, if you say anything about it, it's because you supported the genocide of the Native Americans, right? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. It can be a bad movie. And have minority actors. Those two things are not, you know, not interrelated. But yeah, anyway, I'm ranting too much, man. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sleep deprived but, from the cuz. Well, let, uh, let, uh, me, yeah, let me let me go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like Trump, yeah. you know, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me let me say. Yeah, yeah, Ron. Uh, let me say, I had an idea for something to touch on in an intro now. We're a little bit into like recording and stuff, and I do want to get through the questions today and stuff. And Alex, you know, ah, is whatever. a little bit sleep deprived. I don't care. I don't but, care. I'm working. I'm working for free. I don't care. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I well, I'm not, and time's money. 
No, so, I, uh, I mean, I don't care about your content. I don't care. I, no, no, I don't care how many questions we got to. That makes me work yeah. for free. Sorry, yeah. that wasn't about you. I was saying, whatever yeah. you want to talk about, you talk about. We will get to as many questions as we can. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is, I think, I can't remember if I read it somewhere that you posted, maybe on Twitter or something, or if it was something we'd spoke about off the air or that. But it was basically, you'd mentioned about getting sort of like back into, not back into poker, but you know what I mean, playing again. And it was like, Mm -hmm. sort of like easing yourself back in, almost like an athlete that's had a big injury. Like you can't just go out and, you know, go full pelt or whatever. So I was, I've got that down like as a note for like, you know, because I know the joke is I don't prepare for the show. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I do make, I do make bullet points. Um, and uh, this one was just basically for you to tell people and, you know, sort of like sort of flesh out uh, yourself. Just like, because a lot of people, I remember a few weeks back, we had a question about a guy getting back into poker. And I sort of dabbled again when I went back to Vegas. And I'm thinking about playing a tournament uh, later this month, like a live tournament. Uh, that's quite a decent game in Scotland. So it was just about sort nice. of feeling your way back into poker. What's your sort of take on it just now? Are you playing? Are you are you oh, um, yeah. getting back in? You know, just just take it from there. Oh, for sure, man. No, I mean, I, I mean, my my personal life is kind of like n- nothing really bad happened. It's just, you know, it, it's one of those things. Uh, I mean, I mean, we've talked about it before on the show, so I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, like real life stuff came up and then there was also some medical stuff with family members and like dude that just gutted me financially and it's i mean the two things at the same time are not fun you know it's uh and anyway i got uh i got to the point where you know i wasn't feeling comfortable with my financial situation and also my personal say i was going through depression and i'm not one of those people who's we still have this connotation with depression that, you know, it, it like somehow makes you weaker and you're somehow like a strong person if you don't take medication. But both of those are really strange to me because there are people who are like neurochemically not balanced. And, you know, there's these people that spent, you know, their brother committed suicide at 17 because of depression. And like, you know, this little old lady in her 60s after 50 years of research finally created an antidepressant that could really help you. Right. And, you know, we just go like, oh, man, you know, these pharmaceutical companies, they just want your money. You know, it's like, well, I'm sure they would like to get paid for their services just as you would, too, asshole. But, you know, I'm sorry if that somehow makes them evil. But yeah, uh, but not and I'm not even like taking a new med or anything. But I, I was just saying, like, Sometimes you go through a depression, you know, it's like a seasonal thing, right? And I, I don't mean like it's December or something. You just know it's a time in your life. It's going to happen. And like the Greeks knew this as well. The Greeks used to talk about, you know, I, it, it was like 10% of your life could, uh, you know, if 1% of your life is like really happy, that's great. But there's probably going to be a 5% of your life that's, you know, you're you're going to be in a depression or something. And sometimes... I'll tell you the truth. I've been feeling really bad about myself. Uh, not really like bad about myself. Just kind of like bad about the situation. I think it's really narcissistic to make it about yourself. You know what I mean? Like a guy flips you off on the highway and you're like, why would he do that to me? You know, like sometimes things just happen 
And, you, you know, you don't really need to make it about you as much as it should, but it should, you should also allow yourself the knowledge that you're probably not going to be 100%. Well, when I got to that point, I decided, you know, I, I'm not playing poker. And this was really weird for me, Barry, because I've been playing cards since I was 15. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like all the time. And it was, I, it wasn't really hard to stop playing, but I knew it was the right decision. Uh, I, I talked to Jocka about it and he was saying like most people he knew couldn't do that. Right. And I was, uh, or he was just saying that's pretty, that's pretty hard to do for a lot of people. I don't know if he said most people would do it, but he, uh, I was very, very proud of that. But then I got over the last week and I was managing pretty well. Uh, like the last week or two, I was, you know, I was managing pretty well. I was running live poker 101 and that was kind of helping me because every week I got to, I got to prepare a two hour webinar. You know what I mean? That's not easy, right? Like, I mean, and they're not like, you know, it's not like me sitting in front of a hand history and going, okay, now we're going to do, look at this and look at that. Right. It's like question and answer, multiple choice question, hundred slide PowerPoints, right? It takes some, it takes some hours to prepare. Right. And I was enjoying that, but I wasn't really managing my finances that well. I wasn't doing enough. And eventually it, tur- it, it, it occurred to me, you got to get back on the horse. You know what I mean? You got, you got to get moving. It's, mm-hmm. it's time. It's time to, it's okay to have your time when you know you're like ineffective and you, you can't play cards, but then there comes a moment where you're just avoiding it because you're scared. And I, I, I had gotten to that moment. Right. So I decided the way I got back into it is I got kind of like a study buddy. Right. And th- this friend of mine, is he's not where I'm at in poker, but he in business, he's like, uh, he, he's really high up there, right? And he understands business way better than I do. So he's educating me quite a bit about business and I'm educating him about poker. But another thing he does that's really cool is he assigns homework for us based on poker. And it's like stuff he goes in, he's so good at going through all the materials and saying, like, this looks like the one material that doesn't really correspond with your coaching, and I think could teach you something new. So he sent me an ebook. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about what materials he cultivates, but I mean, it's a, essentially he found this ebook that's like five years old, and like, it's awesome. Like, it's just one of the best written things I've ever read about poker. Like, this, you know, it's a, it, it, you can, I mean, just look up ebooks. I, I, I'll give you a hint. It's about sixty pages long. But yeah, anyway, it's. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm supposed to be. He, he's big on like the, you know, like the training regimen. I decide for you is yours, you know. So I, I don't know. But yeah. Anyway, so I'm like reading these books, and I'm, I'm kind of getting back into like learning about poker. And another thing I do is I just play short sessions. You know what I mean? I play for low stakes. So I, I played like. 30 minutes of heads up, no limit at 50 NL. And I focus as much as humanly possible (laughs) during those 30 minutes. You know what I mean? I try to pretend like it's heads up at the WSOP. Right. And I try to get every stat I can get. I try to, you know, every, I try to be as patient as possible. And then when I'm done with those 30 minutes, I review everything with my flopzilla, with my calculator and stuff like that. I've actually, I made a training video. I think I'm going to sell it for 40 bucks. It was kind of, I was just, I kept making videos for myself to review. 
And then it kind of occurred to me, I've never seen anything like this on the market where it just kind of shows you how to study while you play and how to play really concentrated, how to study when you only have like 20, 40 minutes, you know, be it because, you know, your focus, you, you don't, just don't trust your focus after that. But yeah, it's a, I've been doing like a week or two of that and my focus has really come back. I feel a lot better. Uh, I, I feel really focused. And it, it's worth noting, I wasn't exactly playing bad live before. Like, I went to two events and got two caches. I got a cache at the SHRPO. I went to the WCP. I only played the WCP main event in Vegas. I cashed the WCP main event in Vegas. I didn't have a bug starting stack till late in the second day, right? Like, I can still grind. When it's live poker, one of my new interests with live poker is when I'm in a live poker environment, there is nothing else to distract me. It is the table. It is the players. On my cell phone, my cell phone always has horrible internet reception anyway, so I just write in my little notepad file. I don't, it, also, I'm just kind of an ass. I don't, I, I don't respond to anything on my cell phone. I, I, I just, I, I hate smartphones with a passion, to be perfectly honest with you. I never, I never wanted a cell phone. My, uh, uh, it, it, you know, Natty went ahead and got it for me. I, I didn't want to say my ex, <laughs> and instead I said her name. Both are, both are awful to say, but like, yeah, uh, anyway, it was, uh, so anyway, but we got a, I got myself, you know, like live poker is really easy for me because there's the game and nothing else. But like playing here at home has been tough because, you know, you got the, I've handled most of the bills, but I got a couple more. I still got to, I still got to handle from all this situation. Actually, now that I think of it, I paid all the medical bills. I paid all the legal bills. I paid all the, I, 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 I kind of got everything done i got i got a few other things i got i hadn't really realized it till right now i mean there's still you know lots of stupid ass paperwork i gotta do but that was really the other thing i wasn't so much depressed after a while as much as i was just stressed out of my mind because i had all these new things foisted upon me that i wasn't really prepared for and you know what i mean like you always know when you used to play in the card room buddy you knew when somebody walked in, if they were going through a breakup and you knew if they just got fired at their job four days ago, you know what I mean? Like they played a little different and it usually wasn't like, look, look at, uh, you know, look at Josh over there. He's really stacking <laughs> chips ever since he lost his assistant manager gig at Arby's, you know, he's a, uh, it, it's yeah. You know, and, but yeah, it is kind of like rehabilitating a player. You just got to come back in with like one hour sessions, two hour sessions, then eventually the four hour session. And you got to get your whole personal life straightened out. You know what I mean? Now I'm dying to play. I'm, I'm playing really well right now, but I got a lot of crap. To, like, I got, I got, here, here we, let me give you my schedule. Today, I got, I got a medical appointment to take my mother to. Uh, tomorrow, I got, you know, like a, a meeting about people with my legal situation here. On Monday, I believe I have another meeting about my legal situation here. Tuesday, I have another meeting about my legal situation here. Wednesday, I have another, I'm pretty sure I have another meeting about my legal situation here. And I mean, that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it just all adds up to a it's lot of draining. stuff. It's draining. Yeah, yeah, it's draining and it's paperwork. And by the way, you got to remember, I don't speak the language fluently here. And there, there's two ways people speak Spanish. There's when I'm in an Uber and the guy really wants to talk to me, 
I can understand every word he says because he speaks very slowly and clearly. When it's a government office and the guy hates their job and they want to get rid of me, they will speak the fastest <laughs> Spanish I've ever heard in my life. And I'll be like, could you slow it down? And then they'll, like, they'll literally be like, next, right? Uh-huh. And then it, anything the government touches is so destroyed. By the way, I pay really expensive medical insurance here. It's unusable. I can't use it. You know what I mean? So like, one of these days I got to go pay my extortion, you know, and then like, I can't use it. Right. Like it, it just like, I, if I wanted to use the medical insurance, I'd have to go wait. And like, you'll go to an emergency room where there's like pipes, like leaking sewage. I'm not making this up onto the emergency room floor and you'll be there for six and a half hours. And sometimes the doctors just come out and they go, Hey, you know what? I can't see you. And then I, you know, I, cut, I go back to the States and all these rich white kids who've never paid a tax in their life are like, I can't wait for Obamacare. I think it's going to be amazing. And it's like, yeah, dude, uh, never seen that go wrong. You know, <laughs> they're, they're taking 50% taxes from us, 62% taxes in Los Angeles. But don't worry, if they get just a little more money, they're going to figure it out. You're going to be right as rain. Like everything is just going to be okay. But yeah, anyway, I'm bitter. I am so yeah. uh, bitterness <laughs> is a choice, Barry. And I have yes. made that choice. Oh, my God. Give me some poker questions. Let me save some okay. babies. Let me do yeah, let's, some good. Let's, let's get into the questions. Oh, my God. Um, all right. This one is from Sean Connor. Uh, hello, Barry and Alex. I've got two questions. Uh, firstly, I would like to ask Alex about folding to free bets. I've noticed on my HUD that I'm folding to free bets around 80 to 90%, so I'm easy pickings for free bet bluffs. What should I do to become tougher to play against in 3-bet pots? I'm thinking I should be flat and more in position versus those with wide 3-bet ranges. I'm playing some poker post-flop, but I'm right. regularly feeling lost when they keep firing at me and I'm eventually forced to fold. This, is, this causes me to actually lose more chips than if I would have just folded 3 in the first place. So that's his first question. Right. So let's go with that one. Okay. Well, I mean, this is actually something I've been working on quite a bit. And, I, and by the way, a lot of times people, they hear my equity, you know, they hear me say, like, according to my equity calcs, I don't want you guys to think I'm some smarty pants. I, I just, I, uh, I, my goal is not to be right all the time. My job is to make you a better poker player. And I, I the thing is, I'm better at making you a better poker player because I think I'm a pretty normal dude. I, I don't really think there's anything uh, really special about me as far as poker comes. But the thing about the cool thing about the normal dude is the normal dude can explain it to you in terms you can understand. The bad thing about the normal dude is he's still pretty lost about some things, right? So whenever I give you guys these answers, this is my general idea over a bunch of equity calcs, but I'm not one of those guys that's like creating PO solver or something like that, right? I, I still have a lot of work to do. But generally what I have noticed when I run equity calculations, and they're a little easier to do Cardrunners EV equity calcs because they're heads up when people flat three bets. Um, generally, if you're flatting a three bet that's a bigger than 2.5x or 2.6x, you, you got to kind of know your stuff post-flop to turn a profit, right? Now, you, you don't even have to turn a profit. Like, uh, let's say you open a 2.5x. If you fold it to the three bet, you're... you're Lost on the hand is negative 2.5x. If it's actually negative 1.4x, that's not bad. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's not 
as bad as like just Ray's folding, right? But there's a lot of times it gets it gets to the point where like you would have lost two and a half x if you just folded, and it, you'll like lose two point one x if you you do a bunch of post flop jujitsu, right? And I I I usually tell my students like you want to be the guy three betting these days because the stuff people raise call with it leaves me flabbergasted. Like the easiest double up I had in the WSP main event is this guy opened under the guy. I'm like, he'd done every single time, which is not something you should be doing anymore because people are a lot better than they used to be. By the way, this is like, I'm not going to say this dude's name, but he's like a big player. Right. And I, but I, I wasn't impressed. Like I, I just, in, I, in, his strategy is really good for like three years ago. Right. But I, when there's certain players that I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I'm being a snob. Like at 80, 90% of tables, he'd do pretty well. But when there's certain guys at your table, you, and there was a few internet pros other than me, you just can't do it, right? So, you know, he opens his like 10, 7 suited under the gun. I don't like the play. I three bet uh, fairly big. He calls. He really do not like this play. And there's obviously a truck in front of my house because why, why wouldn't there be? What are you doing? Are you shutting off my water? What are you doing? Oh, my God. What is this guy doing? Hold on a second. God, like, I needed one more challenge. What is this dude doing? Oh, no, he's getting back in the truck. Thank you, dude. Thank you for the slow <laughs> roll. Thank you for that. No, okay, here's the thing in, in Costa Rica. They have a water system, like, from the 50s, right? So I try to prepay. My water, they won't let me do it till like the day the bill is available. I'm not making this up, okay? They won't let me prepay, and they don't have like automatic bill pay here, right? So I'm like, just take it from my account. It's seven dollars and eighty-two cents. Like you, you can charge me three times if you want, right? Just don't, you know, because what they do is like if you don't pay your bill within eighteen hours and forty-three minutes, they're like somebody's gonna have to shut off your water. So somebody's getting their water shut off in this neighborhood. I didn't think it was me because it's, you know, the third of the month and I'm pretty sure I paid it. But uh, yeah, anyway, nice little soil roll. Thank you. What the hell was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So anyway, this guy opens up 10-7 suited. I don't like it. I threw back to like 2.7 X. He flats. I really don't like this. He flops second pair and calls three streets versus I had a, you know, like I, 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 fly, I, I don't want to give it away because then the guy will know what I have, but I, who I'm talking about. But yeah, anyway, I, I made like top pair and then it turned into better than top pair and I just triple barreled and I got the whole, chi- uh, the whole kit and caboodle, right? And that happens a lot in live poker and that happens a lot online where people just overextend themselves uh, by flatting three bets. And it came from a really good place, which is, you know, if you're playing against Fetter Holes and you, you just keep raise folding to him, you're not really going to be in good shape. He's just going to keep taking advantage of you. But if you're at a general poker table, I'd much rather work with Sean Connor here, who's folding a little too much, than the guy who just, you know, he wants to test everybody's gangster every time he flats, you know, and just goes after everybody. Now, something that's interesting is if the three bet size is. 2.4x, I haven't really found anything conclusive. Sometimes it's a good idea. Sometimes it's not. Uh, 2.3x and below, 
there's a lot of guys like there's a lot of times I do the equity calc and I'm like, I always start with like a really simple situation. I was like, well, what if the guy just closes his eyes and check raises every flop? Right. And there's a lot of times that's profitable versus a guy that's three betting really small with like 11% of his hands. Right. And he's C betting the majority of them and maybe checking back some second pairs. There's a lot of times you can just blindly close your eyes and check raise and you'll turn a profit. Right. Which, and not like, you know, not like you, you turn a 2.5 X loss to a 1.4 X loss. Uh, you, you turn the profit of like a big blind. That is a big, big difference, right? So my big advice would be when it's a really small three bet, you know, try to think of the things I think of is this guy three bet bluffing. Like, and I mean like a decent percentage of the time, right? If the guy has not three bet me like yet, and I have no real reason to believe he's three bet bluffing. And just because the guy is young and it's a good spot, that doesn't mean it's a good reason, right? That's projecting how you think of poker on somebody else. If you see the guy generally be nitty and solid, just give him credit. I usually fold the real, another like metagame consideration though, is when you fold a couple times to three bets, when you finally three bet somebody, you know, nobody would put it in these words, but subconsciously they're like, Three bets are very serious to this guy. He doesn't flat three bets. He doesn't four bet them. He doesn't take them in a very cavalier fashion. You know, so when this guy three bets, he must have a little something, right? But of course I can't fold because then, you know, uh, my house gets burned down at night by the poker police these days. I, 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 I don't know what this is. You can't fold to a three bet anymore. People are always surprised when I... I had a guy go, like, I've never seen you do that at Sassanato. And I was like, when was the last time you saw me play? And he was like, okay, good point. But I, I was like, you know, and I, I, I was like, what are you talking about? You can, I opened under the gun and the guy three bet me under the gun plus two. What, what, what do I think he has? Like crayons? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure he has something, you know. And I, I, it, anyway, and the guy three bet me to like 2.8x, which is uh, pretty happy. And we were only like, you know, 32x deep or whatever. But, yeah, I, generally you want to be the guy making the three bets, making the three bets about like two, two. If the if the person is not bet size sensitive, it, you you not are aware. You need to take advantage of that. So there's a lot of times I three bet to like straight up three x alive, and the people just flat me because they, you know, uh, for whatever reason they just believe folding is really bad. And uh, honestly, you're just compounding your losses like times infinity when you're flatting three x three bets out of position, 40x deep, you know what I mean? Because you don't really have many options post-flop, and most of the time the hand just hits the muck or they feel like they got to jam or fold, and uh, the, the hand hits the muck. But, yeah, I, I think look for, if you're playing online, look for a three-bet percentage higher than 12. That tends to be when people are, like, really bluff-sensitive. Get, get a copy of NoCaddy and then get the assassinautohud.com. And then on no caddy, you can look at what the guy's three betting. So maybe his three bet percentage is just 10%. But you see like an ace five offsuit and a jack seven suit. And you're like, all right, you know, homeboy here wants to gamble once in a while, right? And then you can call if he 2.3x it and just try to look for the guy on the flop. Look if the C bet is really high. That's another thing. If they're three betting like 14% of the hands and C betting everything. And you can get a stat on no caddy through the assassin or HUD, or you can program it yourself. That just shows what they check back. If the guy C bets like 80% of the time, but he checks back middle pairs and some top pairs, his C betting range is a lot of garbage. So you can plan a lot of check raises. And that to me is the only times I'll start flatting like 2.5 X and 2.6 X. 
So, second question, let's go. Okay, second question is about bet sizing. From reading your book, I know you advocate the 2.5x uh, pre-flop raise, but what about the 2.2x raise? Both are the pre-flop raiser and the caller. I see a lot of these types of opens in my games, and I'm sort of guessing the differences are tiny and no. not worth thinking no. about, but what would like to know You're your wrong. opinion on this? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong, Sean. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. No, uh, po poker players pre-flop are not bet size sensitive because of what you just said. They believe there's not much difference between a 2.2x or a 2.5x. Uh, and a lot of times now, I just open a 2.7x because Big Blind just calls me and check folds a lot of the time. They do this thing. I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this routine. I always imagine Carlos Welch listening to this show because when he, we hang out, he always makes fun of the things I say over and over again, and you get your buy-in back and a slap on the ass, right, Alex? And then I'm like, yep, yep, I have said that 8,000 times. You're right, so I gotta, I gotta change things up. But excuse me for this routine, but here's the thing. When people call you out of the big line, this is their thought process. It's not even a thought process. It's, oh my God, he raised more than 2.5x. Um, this must be an old school player, so he probably has like eights or ace-queen plus. So, but I can't fold the big blind because then it's pistols at dawn and I'm going to have a Pez dispenser as a weapon and I'm going to, uh, but so I'm going to call here, but I'm going to be real careful on the flop because I think he's tighter. That is the absolute opposite of what every equity calculator would tell you to do. If you're going to flop, if you're going to flat a 2.8x 2 .2 raise out of the big blind, you need to check raise more, donk lead more. Uh, you need to check call more. You have to have more of a plan for the turn. You have to be thinking about the guy's turn betting frequency. Online, is it less than 40%? Then it's a little bit more value intensive. Live, have you seen the guy check back a lot of turns? Then likely he doesn't bet that many turns. But if you're not thinking of all these things and you're just playing fit or fold, every equity calc I've ever seen, think about it. If you call 2.8x, like a lot of these guys will and not even really care about it, like, you open a 2.8x, and everybody's like, ah, I can't three-bet this, right? Uh, but I'll just go ahead and call. That's awesome. You get to see the flopper. It's like, ah, I can't really cold call this or three-bet this. Okay, I'm just going to fold. Big blind calls you. Let's say the big blind folds the flop 50% of the time. That's a 1.4x big blind return. That is huge. Just from the big blind, right? Don't forget, you get the small blind as well and all the annies. People always do this crap, like, how are you still in a poker tournament, Alex? And it's like... I really shouldn't be saying this on this show, right? Because God knows Barry takes all my money, you know, but I'm just kidding, anybody. But, like, some people take that seriously. I'm like, no, 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 we get paid the same, you know. But, like, uh, it, yeah, anyway, it's, uh, it, 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 it's amazing how often you'll just get the big one to call and check fold, right? Or, like, check call on, like, a super coordinated board and have no idea what to do on turn and river, and you can just barrel them off. But that's taking it a little further. But if people are not bet size sensitive, if they're not bet, if they're not aware of the bet sizes around them, they're not they're not digging deep into the ramifications of calling certain bets. And there's a lot of guys, a lot of you guys listening right now. You've been listening to me talk for years. Have you ever done an equity calc? And remember, you're the most interested parties. Okay, you guys are the most interested. Uh, there's a lot of poker players, professional poker players, never done an equity calc in their life. They don't know how often, you know, there are like very natural, 
like there's a lot of people that like feel the frequencies a lot better than perhaps somebody like me who's a little bit more book smart. Uh, but they don't know how often a lot of these things happen, right? And if they just spent like one afternoon trying to figure it out, you know, I, I, I'm really convinced a lot of these calculators are no more difficult to run than a microwave after you. Okay, like maybe not a microwave, but I, I don't know. If you can figure out, I'm just going to say, if you can figure out how to fix, I don't know, but men can't fix anything, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, but I mean, there's a lot of times like, around my house, something breaks and like, I Google, how, how do you fix this? And like within an hour I can figure it out. And I bet there's a lot of guys that can do, and I'm not handy at all. Right. I'm not, I'm just too cheap to like, you know, I, I always like when my toilet's running or something like that, it's like, I can hire some guy 60 bucks to do this, or I can spend 40 minutes trying to figure out what the problem is. And then it's like, you know, it's the goofy third or fourth problem. That's why my first two tricks didn't work. But like, if you can figure out something like that, a lot of times these equity calcs are not that much more difficult. But the thing is, nobody wants to do them because it's hard work, right? Mm-hmm. And what you're going to find is just if you're calling out, out of the big blind with a, these big bets a lot of the time, you're going to be losing. So, yeah, uh, everybody, I love this. Everybody's like, well, I opened a 2.25x, you know. And, and this is really interesting. People go like, I think you should open more for these reasons, right? And I'm dealing with the range of the other players, their possible actions, how, how much. And they were like, well, yeah, but I, I like to, you know, I, I like to keep it pretty conservative pre-flop. I, I like to make my race sizes small. This is a way of saying I'm right or I'm right, right? There's no, there, how, how am I supposed, you know, how, how am I supposed to argue with that, right? Like, there, there, it's just like one of those things, well, this is the way I do things. And it's like, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure the Soviet Union had a specific way of doing things right up until the downfall. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't think that's a great idea just to stick. If, you're, if your game is not evolving, not even every single year, like every single month, every single day, you're going to be left in the dust. You know what I mean? Like, I... I, I don't know. I hate being away from the game for too long. Like it's been lately. I just I, I want to play Barry. Let's get, let's grind. Anyway, all right. Yes, heads, heads up. Yeah. Heads up. No, I love heads. <laughs> I love heads up, man. Anyway, let's get let's go. Next all question. Right. Okay. Last question for this episode is from our good friend Riyards Dobeles. What's up, man? And uh, hey, Alex and Barry, I've been thinking about bankroll management and session investments recently. I follow a 300 uh, bankroll management rule. Good. However, I apply it to my average buy-in rather than to a specific MTT because it is hard to have a good volume at, let's say, $50 MTTs at any site. Incorrect. You're going to do it it across a bunch. Wrong. You're wrong. Wrong. (laughs) You can do it it across a bunch of sites. But, yeah, anyway, I see his point. It's tougher. Yeah, anyway. So you get... So you get to mix various MTTs, $10 to $100 to get that $50 average. See, I think that's a way of justifying playing $100 MTTs. Yeah, you uh, that's you know? exactly what happened. <laughs> that's like, exactly what happened. It's like my average buying, you're like, yeah, but you might be not drawn dead, but the, the hundreds might be just way, you know. Oh, and sometimes like, uh, I, I have people like, well, on Sharkscope, my average buying is 44 bucks. I'm like, yeah, well, right now, and not saying this is really hard, but it's like, you know, it's like 71 or something, like, because you're not playing yeah. as many of the 20s as you were when you were a kid, you know. That's it. Uh, and I remember when I wanted to play more 15s, uh, 180s, it's like you're playing them and playing the 15s, and then you're mixing in a few three rebuys and yeah, eights, yeah. and I think even the twos, and you, you convince yourself 
well, my average buy-in is, you know, eight or Eleven, nine. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I've actually played a shitload of 15s that probably I shouldn't have been playing, you know. Right, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you can prove anything with statistics, as they say, even when it's, like, to just sit yourself. <laughs> Such a um, and, yeah, Anyway, he's got, as playing for a living, uh, would you say that is a decent approach? Or would you say that having 300 buy-ins for a specific MTT is better? And then if you have, have, have for example, 15K, then you should play MTTs no higher than 50. Uh, and also, what would you say is an acceptable investment per session in terms of percentage of your bankroll? As I have seen different players discuss this on forums, some invest no more than 3% of their bankroll per session, some 5%, some as much as 10%. If you had a $15,000 as your bankroll, how much would you be happy to invest in a session when playing 10 tables, regards? Right, and uh, uh, there was a a great... Okay, the dude, I I have to... uh, I I, I have to give props where props are due. The the, the e-book is by a guy named Mercenary, uh, and it's about heads up. uh, It's about heads up, sit and goes. But he has this great phrase. It's like... A lot of times people ask me questions where the answers lie in a continuum, but they want a binary answer, which is a great way of saying they want it one way or the other. When really, it dep- like, as far as, uh, and that's one of the books I'm reading, by the way, not, not an earlier, a- anyway, fantastic, that one's great. But uh, any, anyway, uh, great, great, we're going we're gonna, to, great, we're going to get Mexico to pay the wall. We're gonna, like, whenever I start repeating myself again, I hear Trump, right? Like when he's, stall- <laughs> when he's stalling for time and he just repeats his yeah. last sentence. Like, and I do that a lot, right? And now, you know, Donald Trump has ruined it for the rest of my life, you know what I mean? Everybody, we're going to do great. We're doing great with the African-American community. And then, yeah, anyway. But uh, essentially... A lot of times people say, like, uh, people always ask, that, like, how much of your bankroll should you put up? And I'm like, when I'm playing good, I, I used to put up 5%, 10% of my bankroll, right? Uh, when I wasn't playing that well, sometimes 2% I wouldn't be into, right? It was usually around, I, I was pretty aggressive with how long my sessions were, but it was like 5%. Uh, and I think 3 is 4 is fine. Um, I definitely think you should have 300 buy-ins for the specific buy-in you're at, not do the average buy let me tell you a story, all right? When I started playing poker, I never listened to anybody else. I never played Sundays uh, because those were huge variance bombs. I never played during the day. I played only at night. I had, and I took, there was, I had no deposit ever, and I took the, like, 30 bucks or whatever I got. My buddy loaned me 50 bucks. I made 30 bucks that night. And I took that 30 bucks and I turned it into like a six figure bankroll. Right. And I didn't listen to anyone. They were like, how are you not playing hundreds? You got, you know, 400 buy-ins for that. I was like, I don't feel comfortable with it. Right. I can tell you're asking this question because you do not feel comfortable. Why would you be asking this question? If you felt comfortable with this, you would be like, who gives a rat's ass what Alex says. Right. You're hoping I'm going to give you a confirmation and say, go forth and spew, young man. I'm not going to say that because you have a bankroll, and I know your personal situation, you got dependents. you got to be more conservative with your bankroll, right? Because people don't even know this. Like, This is something I've realized recently, which is even if you can make enough money, 
overextending yourself and stressing yourself out is going to have such a drastic effect on your life uh, that you're going to, you know, it's going to affect your personal life. It's going to affect your personal happiness. And guess what? That comes right back to your poker game. So if you're happy with 300 buy-ins and $50 tournaments, you should play $50 tournaments. And I never listened to anybody and I, you know, I played at nights. I just played fifties. I, you know what I mean? I, I eventually I moved a hundred dollar buy-ins and I crushed it when I did. Co- there was one time ultimate bet had that, uh, they had like a hundred dollar MTT every night. I, I think like one of my first weeks playing it, I won it like three times in a week or something like that. Cause I felt so comfortable. I was so comfortable with myself because I, I knew what I was doing I waited till I finally was like, I felt silly not playing. I had so much money, right? And every time I played poker, it was just pure joy because I wasn't worried about losing. Because if it happened, it happened. It sucked, but it wasn't like the worst thing in the world, right? And But when I won, it felt pretty good. And that was a great spot to be in because that really allowed me to explore and learn and all that stuff. And, you know, I and I was playing on these like French sites and weird hours and I was playing you know, 300 buy-ins and, you know, everybody was making fun of me and blah, blah, blah. You should play higher. And then I started to believe my own hype. And then I started doing really well. I started, you know, there was like one week I, you know, there was like three weeks in a row. I almost won a triple crown on pocket fives. Right. And it it was like in sizable tournaments. Right. Uh, And I, you know, I was still playing my weird sites and everything, but I was making good money and I was, you know, I I was 19 years old and I was sitting on, you know, 19 year, 19 year olds making, you know, six figures is not something that should naturally occur because you're pretty stupid at that point. And then I started listening to all these people, you know what I mean? They were like, oh man, you know, you're so good, man. You came from this and you're doing that. And I've been... Then I started, you know, well, I got to prove myself in these major tournaments, right? And I started telling myself, well, you know, my average buy-in is, you know, 121, and I got the bankroll for a lot more than that, but I didn't feel comfortable. And I started playing the majors, and I, I started losing. And then once I started losing at that, uh, I, I felt like I was in a hole, and then I lost at the tournaments I was doing well in. And then uh, I socked a bunch of money away, and then I took a backer, but I wasn't really comfortable with the backer. And then I lost a bunch of money from my backer. And then, you know, praise God, I got out of makeup. But I I hadn't really learned nearly as much as I should have during that time, and I didn't enjoy my job because I was in panic mode the whole time, you know, and that just wasn't fun. And uh, I I really hate to see uh, everybody just trying to – I almost – I, I have to go out here and like teach because like I have to be myself. I can't talk through a robot. Right. But like poker to me is just a battle with myself. Right. I almost feel uncomfortable writing a book because it's like, it, it's like, look, I'm just a normal guy. These are my ideas. Right. You know what I mean? And then I'm sure some of them will eventually, you know, not they'll fade out. Uh, I'm sure some things here can be improved upon, and it, it, stuff like that. But like with poker, we get so into like, is this guy good at poker? Is that guy not good at poker? How much money do you have? And then it's always, you always need a certain amount of money and then you're going to be free, right? Like once you have this, once you have that, you're going to be free. And if you're not taking care of it, I mean, I mean, to get into a little philosophical note, this is usually, people don't understand the pursuit 
is the reward. Every study that's checked, how do, you know, they do people who have like a pursuit every day, whether it's gardening or, you know, taking, you know, like homemakers or like, you know, women taking care of their kids or people who have like a goal every single day versus people who don't have a goal. The people with a goal and something they work toward every day are way happier than the people that don't have a goal, even if those people have a lot more money, a lot more socioeconomic status, better looks, power, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. They're just not nearly – and by the way, the, the study didn't say you had to achieve your goal. It just said you had to be working on something every day that you greatly enjoy. I can't tell you how many poker players I've heard do this crap where it's like, oh, I hate this game. Once I buy a house, I'm out of this, right? You know, and it's like they get the money. Well, they do what you do. They start cutting corners. Uh, they don't really feel comfortable. You know, they take a back and deal. And by the way, I'm guilty of all of this. I, I just want you guys to learn from my mistakes, okay? I want you to learn from my mistakes. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm telling you what I did and how I ruined years of my career and parts of my life. It, it takes a toll. You know what I mean? Just like when you see, like when you go to a minor league baseball ballpark, and you'll see these guys, Barry, I know you've never seen this, but you'll see guys who are like 27 that have been working all year, every year on very low wages to get into the big leagues in the United States. And like, it takes a toll. You know, when they're 27, they look like they're 27 going on 40. Now, now their body is in good shape, but there's lines on their face. They kind of talk like an older man and stuff like that. And you can become like that in poker if you're just pushing yourself to death. You know what I mean? And Part of that is just cutting corners, putting yourself in situations you don't feel comfortable with. Another part of that is acting like there's going to be some finish line. A lot of times people start doing that because they think uh, this finish line is going to complete them, right? It's going to be like once I buy my house and once I get all these things, uh, I'm going to be happy. And then, well, they 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 win the money and they're going to buy the house. But then they realize once I pay for the house, I don't have a poker bankroll and poker is the only thing that's ever made me feel good before in my life. So they do this thing where it's like, well, I'm just going to try to make a little bit more money before I buy my house. And that's how most of my friends had a million, two million dollars and they tanked it. You know what I mean? I did the same crap. I did the same thing. I could have bought when I came to Costa Rica, I could have bought three houses here. You know what I mean? Now I got zero houses. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm about to be, you know what I mean? I, and I'm bombing it around because I, I mean, and again, I'm just wanting you guys, I'm 28 years old. I'm young. I'm fine. I'm happy. I've learned a lot, but I learned it the hard way. I don't want y'all to learn it the hard way. Okay. Keep it fun. Have fun. Learn every day and cultivate interests outside of poker. And people do this thing where it's like, I, I'm not off my soapbox. Y'all going to sit around. Now people do this thing where they go like, I want balance in my life. I want balance in my life. I just want a balanced life. And it's like, I want a Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like, that's such, a, that, that's such an irrational thing to ask for. Who do you know? I want you to think right now, Barry. Do you know anyone who is perfectly balanced? Has a really no. balanced life? Do you know anyone? You think about all the inputs, indecisions you could make every single day. You somehow think you're going to get the perfect formula Every single day for the rest of your life. That's what you're asking for when you want a balanced life. And it takes a fervor. It takes a love. It takes an obsession to get good at this game. You will overextend yourself. You will not by, I'm not talking about bankroll management. I mean, you will play too much. You will get too upset. You will get too obsessed. You will get too emotional, right? 
we'll do these things. What you need to do is aggressively counterbalance. So when you feel yourself doing that, you got to go find another hobby. It's got to be martial. It can be martial arts. It can be writing. It could be hip hop. I don't know what it's going to be. Those are uh, obviously people always, I hate it when people do that. It's like they return to their things. This is what I, I hate it when people do that crap. Right. And it's like, Whenever you read like a, uh, an article about how to write, the people always go, now in my short story, what I did, and it's like, yeah, thank you for selling to me after I already read your article you got paid for. Thank you. But I, I mean, like the things I enjoy are, are like, you know, like battle rapping. It's the exact opposite of poker. But like you got to find whatever it is, golf. Uh, you know, a lot of times I think it's a lot better if you help people. Uh, I, I know a lot of like guys who – you know, they came into some money and then they turned it into like a charitable thing, right? And they were like, you know, they were like helping kids in their community, at-risk youth. And those guys, are, you know, they're really like vibrant people, like got a lot of energy, really happy. You know what I mean? Whereas if you just kind of, it's like, well, now I'm rich. You got nothing to live for. You know what I mean? You got nothing going on. Men need something to do every day. Otherwise, they chew on themselves. And the great thing about poker, every time you watch sports, I always think it's pretty ridiculous when they try to make poker like a sport because, you know, what I, I don't know. There's luck in sports, but like not like there is in poker. Right. And but at the same time, there is a chance you will be on ESPN or Fox Sports or Sky Sports or whatever the hell it is in the UK. And you will be under the bright lights and you will be under the big decisions and you could be winning millions of dollars. Now, that shouldn't be your goal, because if that comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You can still make a good living without it, and you can, you can win one of those tournaments and give all the money back to your backer and have everybody patting you on the back when you're now at $0 minus whatever taxes they get out of you. You know what I mean? It, but you've got to kind of develop other things out of there. You've got to counterbalance, and you've got to find other things that you've got to be doing and be having fun with. I mean, and it could be a 100 things. It can be, you know, it, it can be cars. It could be, like, re- refurbishing furniture. It can be... I mean, a lot of things, you know what I mean? And, and then uh, uh, that was the most unrealistic part of Magic Mike. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Barry, but it's about, it's about male strippers. Yeah, I've yeah they, got Channing T- they got Channing Tatum in there, and he's like, I just love working on furniture. I'm like, this good-looking guy I don't think has ever had to make a chair in his life. You know what I mean? I, I, just, I get the idea of those guys growing up in high school are not really running back to the wood shop after – class gets out they're probably you know they're probably trying to grab the prom queen for some back backseat play but yeah anyway all right all right okay. i have ranted thoroughly We've just done as the connection started to really fizzle there but i let you go because um, i didn't want to jinx it okay and um, that is all we got time for for this episode alex how can people get in touch with you for webinars other products and all your other good stuff be sure to sign up at pokereditorish.com for my newsletter uh i haven't sent it out in a couple weeks i apologize to you guys about that that's completely my fault i've been on my pity party bs uh recently but i don't know i i uh, i feel really good today i feel you know when you feel like you've hit the turning point barry you know what i mean and i i i you just kind of know you like wake up one day and you're like, it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like that right now. And so I'm going to, I actually have a free video, uh, keystered, which I'm going to send up. Uh, but yeah, I have a free video that I'm about to put up. So you should sign up for that. It's probably going to come out here within a day or two. Uh, and there's also going to 
me deals on. I have a lot of stuff that I've been working on. I just, you know, just kind of insecurity. I didn't want to release it just yet. And uh, yeah, you know, be uh, be looking out for all that. You can write me uh, if you guys want to check out uh, the webinars. Alex at PokerHeadRush.com is the email address. The deal we've been giving out is for all the webinars right now, which is 32 hours of like my classroom sessions. So it's pretty much a college course. It's three ninety nine. Uh, I've given that out to a couple of people. I'll give it out to you guys if you if you mention the show. And we still got live poker one on one going on right now, and everybody seems to really be enjoying that. And that's like uh, right now. That's a uh, seven ninety nine. If you get uh, if you can show the if you can show a proof of purchase with the myth of poker talent, uh, and if you can do that. If you can show proof of purchase of the myth of poker talent, instead of it being a thousand, it'll be seven ninety nine, and that is like, that is a pretty comprehensive class. It is, uh, it's you know, it's low budget. There's not a lot of tricks or anything like that, but it's really comprehensive. Going over, uh, going over like every hand of a WSOP main event, every hand of a side event, uh, go going with reads, putting yourself in situations, question and answer, hand replays. What would you do in this situation? Time down, you know, and you, you got to really actively think through it. And a lot of stuff about the theory of playing life poker. Everybody who's been doing that class has really been enjoying it. The other cool thing is at the end of every class, I can go over your hands from live poker. You can put it in share my pair and go through it. And uh, I'll go ahead and analyze the hands for you. So every week you essentially, you get like a two hour uh, PowerPoint webinar uh and then there's also like almost an hour, sometimes like an hour and a half of just us all reviewing together, like tournament poker hands. So, you know, you do the math like three hours a week times 10. That's a, that's a pretty comprehensive course. And you can join that right now. Write me at Alex at PokerHeadRush.com. If, uh, you know, you want to be getting into that, uh, let me, you know, just hit me up. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Check out PokerHeadRush.com, uh, my butt ugly blog site, but it has a lot of good content. Uh, check that out for all the strategy articles, blogs, battle rap videos, blah, blah, blah. And I'm coming back, boys. I'm back. I'm back. You know, I'm I'm taking care of it. I'm going to get – I'm just going to be exhausted over these next few weeks with all these appointments. You know what I mean? But I'm coming back. It's just It's time to burn the midnight oil, Barry. You know what I'm saying? It's just once in a while you get in these seasons of your life where it's like, you know what? I, I guess I'm not going to be taking that many nights off. You know what I mean? I'm going to be working. Mm-hmm. For a while, I just feel like it's one of those times. Let's get it in, boys. Let's get it in. Let's do this. Let's do it. And keep your questions coming in for Alex for next week's show. Questions at oneouter.com on email. And we will get them read out. Until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner-take-all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.